Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey, it's Scott, and welcome back to yet another episode of Spin Magazine's Lip Service. On today's show... The incredible, the iconic Melvins, the American rock band formed in 1983 that is one of the most legendary and influential bands of our generation. I'm welcoming to the show today Buzz, Dale, and Steven of the Melvins. And I have a special surprise for you today. The Melvins actually performed in the studio with us today live. This is the first time we've ever done this. I'm excited today. I think this is going to be a real fun one. As you know, the Melvins were a big influence on the whole movement of grunge, including Nirvana, Soundgarden, Green River, all the bands that came from that generation. And they still remain so influential on bands like Slipknot, Lamb of God, Helmet, you name it. These guys are the real deal. They've always stayed true to their roots. They're iconic. I'm excited to welcome to the show the Melvins in just a moment. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Our show today is brought to you by the fine folks at Thursday's Boot Company. You guys have seen me rocking these boots in every other picture I have on Instagram. I'm always repping them. Thursday's Boots is a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the footwear industry. Thursday's Boots tagline is highest quality, honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather, supple glove leather lining, and gold standard Goodyear welt construction. Thursday's Boot Company sells their boots at prices starting at just $149 with free shipping and returns. They've been featured in all the best fashion press, from Esquire to GQ to Cosmo and Vogue. And more importantly, they've gotten over 20,000 five-star reviews from real customers. Thursday's boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for a great-looking pair of boots that are built to last. So check them out at Thursday's Boots on Instagram. My favorite shoes, my favorite boots. You always see me repping them. You'll love it. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey, it's Scott Lips, and welcome back with the Melbourne Spin Magazine's Lip Service. Welcome, guys. Thanks for being here. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Steven, Buzz, Dale. So the new record, it's four discs, which is massive for an acoustic record, right? Yeah. So talk about the ideas behind it. The covers is like an Alice Cooper cover, obviously Red Cross. It's like it spans your whole catalog. And just sort of the idea behind the records, right? Because it's ambitious to do a two-record acoustic set, but this is a four-record acoustic set. So let's talk about sort of the idea behind four records. Were you thinking we want to span the whole catalog? How'd you pick the songs on it? How'd you pick the covers? Obviously, there's an amazing version of Sway that, Thank you. Uh, that I'm yeah. obsessed with that I, I was good, hoping you good. guys would play, but uh, we'll leave that for maybe a spin sessions coming up. Exactly. So, sure. Yeah. yeah, a lot of the covers we've been playing live except for a few, like the Turtle song, which Steven picked. Why, why did you pick that song? 
Uh, you were listening to it on the way to practice. Yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> and and like, on the way to the studio. Going through a turtle's phase. That's what you said. Yeah. yeah. I just listened to the song. Let's see if we can play it. And I said, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. You just play it for me. I played it for you. And then, you know, show me how it goes. So I never listened to the original, oh, the original until yeah. after we recorded our version yeah. of it. Yeah. I didn't know it either. I, I wasn't. Well, they're hometown boys, the Turtles. They're from Westchester. Oh, they are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, a lot of people don't know this about the Turtles, but they, um, when they were 19, they knocked the Beatles out of the number one spot. Wow. The the uh, Penny Lane single with um, Happy Together. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't yeah. know that. Westchester boys, Westchester, California boys. I can't good. say another. I know the Ruddles. I remember the Ruddles, <laughs> but that was sort of the, the yeah, farce well, and the Beatles, right? <laughs> but, yeah. But, I love the Ruddles, but uh, at any rate, um, yeah, I, I grew up in a town right next door to Westchester, so I have an, I feel a connection with those guys. Yeah. 20, 20 years age difference, but uh, anyways, that's where that came from. Maybe I was going through. But that was, uh, Warren Zevon wrote that song when he was like 12. That's true. Right? Yeah, Warren Zevon wrote that in his like, he was very like early days. That's, that, that's true. I forgot that that's, <laughs> that's a fun fact. Just to put it in perspective, we do a lot of recording. Hmm. You know, a lot, and that re that that record was recorded a year ago, over a yeah. year ago. It was it was the first sort of COVID thing we did. Were you guys all getting together? Was there file sharing? What we no, no, we no, did. We, we did actually, in our own studio. Okay. We got together. I mean, we waited for a while until everything seemed a little safer. It was yeah. all before vaccine, so we masked masked up. Yeah, the whole we were time. masked. I don't know if you can tell if the vocals sound a little muffled. We were... <laughs> <laughs> Everyone had a mask on. Yeah, there we, we were masked. Well, except we were wearing Halloween masks. We weren't wearing. <laughs> With N95. We were over confused them. about it. We're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. you mean yeah. there was someone? It's so much mixed messaging going on at the time. That... A hockey mask won't work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I'm confused. How did you pick the songs though, right? Because it's four albums worth of stuff. And when I was digging deep, I know, I mean, we, I don't want to talk about the band's influences early on. So the Stones we were just talking about, I saw them play on Sunday. Obviously, Sway is such a great song. So how'd you pick all the tunes? I mean, and, and I, I do want to talk about your connection to the Stones because obviously it runs a lot deeper than I know. I was watching something you did for Amoeba and like half the stuff you picked out was like Beggar's Stones. Banquet and the Stones really. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, and they're still so incredible, by the way. On Sunday, they were incredible. I was a little bit worried without Charlie Watts that it wasn't going to have the same feel. But I have to tell you, I mean, it was interesting seeing Steve Jordan and just sort of that powerhouse rhythm section with them. I thought I was going to hate it, but it was actually pretty great, and Mick is still great. So it was Steve's a good drummer. I mean, once He's I great. heard, you know, that Charlie was going to uh, not be on the tour because he, he, medical, medical procedure, he was resting. And when they said, oh, Steve Jordan's going to play, I'm like, that's acceptable. Yeah, it was great. You know, well, he's a good work. drummer. Well, as Mick it's, introduced, he said that he had been um, introduced him as a longtime member of the yeah. Rolling Stones family, which I think that true. Having played with Keith all those years, yeah, yeah, definitely it seems and, appropriate. And he's a great drummer, he, and Absolutely. he's not addicted to heroin <laughs> that we know of. Yeah. I was to say, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> no one knows. Could be. Yeah, I mean, he played with uh, um, you know, in uh, Hail Hail Rock and Roll movie with uh, uh, Chuck Berry yeah, and, yeah. and Keith Richards that you know, way back. Yeah. So. Makes well, sense. Charlie always played a little behind the beat, so I was just worried that it wasn't going to have that same feel. But actually, to hear him with that kind of rhythm section was pretty was pretty awesome. Um, they were great. When he died, I was a lot more bummed out than I thought I would be. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I yeah. was like, like I can't That's fucking believe he's dead. <laughs> you know, it's just. I mean, I believe it, but I was just like that bothered me more than I expected it to. Most rock stars, I'm just like whatever. You know? Yeah, yeah. 
but especially ones that are 80. Yeah. You <laughs> just think like, the stones are like immortal. You just didn't think so. I wanted to go see them just because I was thinking, I don't know how much longer I'm going to get to see them. So ultimately, yep. it's like you got to see them when they can. And I'm like, let me get this straight. Keith Richards outlives Charlie Watts. <laughs> right. How does that yeah. happen? Actually, Keith's not 80 yet. So maybe. No. Yeah, I think Keith is younger. But yeah. uh, but that's just like with the Beatles. You know, I've, I've been thinking, I want. Ringo to be the last one, so he has the last word. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he gets the has last. Has he written his word. book yet? No, he should know. wait. Write his book. He should start. The last word. <laughs> he's the oldest. Yes, he should yes. be the last one. Yeah, he's the oldest Beetle. You know, throwing the last. You know, the first uh, uh, clump of dirt on Paul's oh. casket. <laughs> okay. okay, I'm ready to tell everything. Well, it's just like when um, Paul released his first solo record off the back of the the announcement of the Beatles' demise. Right. Mm. They broke up. Ringo could do a similar thing mm-hmm. with the announcement of Paul's passing. He has a tell-all book. That's true. Tell-all book. <laughs> okay, sorry. And he's re-recorded Paul's first solo record. <laughs> and he's re-recording the first Paul solo album. Uh, yeah, but I uh, back to the Stones. I brought my father to the Stones concert. Oh, you did? Yeah, my eighty-two-year-old awesome. father. So he's older than Charlie, and he made it. Yeah, my dad's like, yeah, I think he's like four years older than all those guys. But uh, he's well, Charlie was shape. eighty. What's that? Charlie was eighty. I think he was eighty. Yeah, my was dad's 80. eighty-two. I think Mick and Keith are like seventy-eight. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. So you went it, to SoFi. You were at SoFi Stadium to see them. Yeah, on Thursday, I think, right? What, was I was there. Yeah, which what if I was there on the 14th? Okay, yeah, I saw them Sunday. It was great. And yeah, then Dale, right. you said you saw them in '74, something. '72. '72. Over here at the Palladium. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> you, saw did, them, yeah. you saw them. Yeah, '72. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's the '72 too. I got the T-shirt someplace. Got the T-shirt someplace. He still has the T-shirt. <laughs> he's using it as a chamois now for his car. <laughs> So for those of you who don't know, actually, talk me through kind of the history of the Melvins and how you guys met. Dale and, and Buzz, you guys met years ago, I, I think, in neighboring towns, right? And, uh, yeah. And, and, and those are not really fond memories, I don't think, for you, Buzz, right, about growing up in Washington? Not growing up there, no. No. I don't have any fond memories of it. Yeah. It was horrendous. Yeah. It was like a... Um, you should see it now. It's Well, I took... <laughs> my, wife, my wife's from Southern California, which is how I ended up in Southern California mm. 28 years ago. And, and you love um, it. Love it. But I was, we were in San Francisco before that from the mid-80s, roughly, through till 93 when I met my wife and I moved down here. Mm. And um, when I took her there, one, you know, she's been there once in 28 years, you know. She was like, this is worse than even how you described it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you got out of here alive. That's what she said, you know. So It is was, way worse than it used to be. But uh, It was we, bad then. Yeah, we met. Uh, Most of the downtown then was completely destroyed and abandoned, and you know, even then. Right. And what got you into music? Obviously, you know, there's so many influences that we talk about: Kiss, Aerosmith, Ted Nugent, Priest, all that kind of stuff. But what kind of really got you going into music when you decided this is kind of what I want to do for a living? I mean, Kiss, Ted Nugent, Priest, oh, Aerosmith. <laughs> I like all the same much. stuff I did yeah. then, plus a yeah. lot more stuff. Yeah. You know, I just feel like. I was had for some reason had good musical taste when I was twelve years old. I don't know why. Mm. You know, there's nothing nothing in my musical history that I look back and go, "Ooh, gosh, that's so terrible." How how could I have liked that? Nothing. And you guys met at school, right? No, no. Uh, I, I went. I was, I'm four years older than he is. Okay. And um, and it was a long time after I got into music before I realized, you know, maybe this is something I could do for a living. Long long after the band had been a band mm. before. I mean, it was probably, we, me and Dale started playing together in 84. Yep. 
and I stopped working a regular job in 80, sometime in 88, mm. near the end of 88, probably, after the Ozma record came out. And we had, um, me and Dale had gotten a royalty check. I think we had each gotten a couple thousand bucks, two or three thousand bucks. And we were like, let's just quit our jobs and, you know, our stupid jobs we have and just see how long we can make this work. And, um, but until I jumped off that cliff, you're not really able to cut that tether. Yeah, of course. Now you have to hustle. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do now? You got, you got to do it. Because we don't have anybody underwriting what we're doing. We had nobody to call home to, no trust funds. I, I joke with my parents now. I go, well, I'm getting the idea that the secret trust fund you set up for me is not kicking in anytime <laughs> yeah. soon. <laughs> and then they say, we were about to ask you for money. <laughs> so we didn't have anything like that. Yeah. So it was like, we had to make this work. And so it just meant that we got into this habit of working, playing, uh, recording, and just never stopped. This is the longest period during the pandemic that we have never played a show in 30 plus years. Wow. By, By the way, far. E even finding musicians to play where you guys grew up wasn't easy, I imagine. No. It's not like there were 17 drummers and 14 bass players, right? No. It was like you guys really had to make it work. So There was him and then a host of other people that I didn't want anything to do with. And Dale, I love that you. I think you were in an Iron Maiden and sort of like uh, other Lover cover bands. Loverboy cover, cover band. Lover Boy cover band. Which is great. You know, yeah. he had nobody to play with. Kid, I, kid is hot tonight. That I, was one of our our, our big hits. I, I saw them play. <laughs> I, I saw them play, and I was like, okay, that kid's good. The rest of these guys are a bunch of bozos, <laughs> but that kid's good. And so he was always in the back of my mind. It's funny. I think I might have played an Iron Maiden cover band for a second when I was growing up. I think everyone has to do that stint. The Trooper. It's that I, whole I, I thing, wish right? it was as cool as the Iron Maiden cover band. <laughs> it wasn't. You know, but it wasn't. <laughs> but uh, uh, what I wanted, cool. though, what I wanted uh, was a guy who could play all that stuff. Because I figured if he had somebody that could play that stuff, because metal drummers, even the stupid hair metal bands, they were great. those drummers are usually pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're like, if you can, if I could get somebody that could play like that, I could adapt them into doing any of this, the rest of this stuff. But if you have a guy that plays all hardcore drumming, as good as he is, it's difficult for those, that guy to make the switch to playing full-on heavy metal stuff. So I wanted the ability to do all of that. Definitely. Talk to me about the time that you introduced Kurt Cobain and Kirst from Nirvana to Buzz. Uh, well, uh, these guys were on the way, on the way to practice at my house and saw Kurt on the bus and had explained that what they were doing and invited him to a Black Flag show. And uh, anyway, they got to my house and we're practicing. We're like, yeah, we just saw this dude on the bus. He goes to your high school. Uh, um, we know him from yeah. where we went to school. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you should you should uh, uh, look him up. And literally the next day, I saw him at the smoker shed. Wow! <laughs> Back then, you could smoke at school. Yeah, <laughs> right. the, the high school smoker shed. Yeah, and that's where we met. And the end of playing with them on the first on the demos, right? And yeah, started. eventually. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I love the story, even with Black Flag. I feel like you guys like cold called them just to get a gig with them early on or something. Like we that. never played with them. Red Cross. Yeah, that's a oh, Red, Red Cross, Cross story. That's right. Oh, that's, Sorry, yeah. I mixed it up Not, a little bit. Their first gig. That's right. I, I mixed that up a little bit. The their Red very Cross first story. gig. You were 11, wasn't that the story? Yeah. Right. Which is incredible, because just think about that concept, right? You get someone's number, you call them on the phone. Like, think about that concept now. Were like, they yeah, in the Yellow called, Pages? Called like, was it, so were they in the Yellow Pages? Black Flag. Well, no, we knew. Did they have we their knew own that we listing? Well, SST was an electronics oh, they, company that Greg had started. We found, and so it was through information. We right. called information for SST. Yeah. But it wasn't a record label yet for a long time. 
And then ultimately you just found out where they were and you ended up getting their number. Well, my brother called them and said, hey, you know, um, we saw you guys play. We saw them play at a Moose Lodge. And so he called them to say, um, yeah, I we have a band. I have a band with my little brother. He's 11. And um, can we play with you? And Greg laughed and thought it was funny and then just invited us to come down to their rehearsal. Amazing. And so we kind of went, we went there and watched them rehearse. And then when they were done, they handed us their guitars and they basically had us audition to hang out with them. <laughs> and your first gig opening up for them was at 11, which is still blows my mind because I think about what I was doing at 11. It's yeah, just... it was at an eighth grade graduation party and we got them the gig. You booked it. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, we booked it. <laughs> now, do you guys ever keep in touch with Pat Smear or Dave or any of those guys? Or no. N- never? I my wife n- does. Nothing to do okay. My wife's friends with Pat. Cool. That's cool. But, it, yeah, different connection. So, so many records later, obviously, you know, you had the Atlantic Records stint, and now I think it's re- almost like 20 records later for the Melvins, right? Probably like, Probably a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> probably. I don't know, actually, exactly how many. Yeah, how do people, you f- people count them in weird ways. Well, that's not really a record, and this isn't really a record. <laughs> I go, well, there's lots of records that are records that I don't count as records, so maybe you're right. <laughs> and you've done the stint on Atlantic Records. Obviously, mm-hmm. you've done a lot of stuff on your own. You know, How do you mm-hmm. feel about the state of the industry now? You know, you've been on the majors. You've been on Atlantic. Obviously, now you guys are doing a lot on your own. And, and it's a lot about DIY now anyway, ultimately. I mean, it's great to see you guys really keeping true to yourself. So how do you feel about what's going on in music right now? I mean, rock is sort of in a state of flux. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I always say that. I don't think there was a golden era. I don't know when there would have been a golden era. I mean, right now it's really difficult for bands to sell records. So bands don't get paid. Yeah. But a long time ago, like in the eighties, bands sold a ton of records and they still didn't get paid. (laughs) So nothing has changed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have some fun? For the bands, nothing has changed. Nothing. Do you, have, uh, do you have some fond memories of some tours that you did? Obviously, you've done a ton of tours over the years, and this is sort of getting back into it. I don't know how you feel about playing now after not playing for so long, right? Everyone's been sitting out the last year and a half or so, but uh, how are you feeling about getting back out there on the road? Are you feeling good about it? Are you itching to get back out there? I don't know. I mean, uh, it's all weird to me. <laughs> it's very weird to me. Yeah. I, I would like it if it was 95% confirmed cool. Yeah. Yeah. That I would be okay with. Yeah. And right now it is definitely not ninety five percent confirmed cool. So I don't know how I feel about it. Well we you know, know I'm yeah. not excited about it. We're gonna go out on tour next March with Ministry. Awesome. And um yeah, I expect things around the country to be a lot shittier than they than they have been. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it'll be like that for a while. Yeah. It's gonna <clears> suck <throat> for a while. So. I think it's it's a it's a bad time. Yeah. Yeah. Hard on hard for everyone. Yep. Definitely. And uh um we're not in a position to where we can go, you know, let's go on a big, huge amphitheater tour and stay in the magic bubble where everybody's completely free. And we have, you know, COVID sniffing dogs, making sure no one's <laughs> sick and on, and nurses and all this stuff like that. We don't have that. Yeah, it's a bit scary. I got to say. So yeah. we can't just until it's easy for bands. Well, I see lots of bands are playing shows. I go, well, yeah. And 20,000 seat outdoor places. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, it's not us. Yeah, yeah. It's never been us. But yeah. then look at bands <laughs> like, like kiss, like Gene and Paul, they, they, they have all that and they still manage to get sick. Now, yeah. I was going to say, it's funny because they were on the show not long ago and I was just reading something that their one of their road crew, I think it was like Paul's tech, like got COVID and passed away. Yeah. Uh, and that's that kind of changes the game because he was vaccinated and, mm. and it just sort of uh, makes you feel, I feel like the touring business is still, as you said, it's it's still scary being out there for sure. No. I don't know. It's just weird. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm not. It's I've been in a weird depressive funk for mm. 18 months. Wow. Strangely, um, uh, almost like it's a mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, on top of everything else. Yeah, it's hard. I think a lot of people struggle with mental illness going through what we just went through. I mean, I've never been depressed in my life, but sitting home the last two years, more or less, it's like, it's just hard. And you kind of have to reinvent yourself. And luckily, you guys have been keeping really busy. I feel like you've been doing certain things. Just, I mean, there's this record, obviously, which is a massive undertaking. And Yeah, it was you, huge. Yeah, you're doing podcasts and different things like that just to stay yep. active. Because you kind of have to, you have to do it. I mean, we've all had to figure out ways to stay relevant and uh and i think it, it shifts the way you think about things so it's it's um, by the way again like so thankful you're here so thank you for coming on the show um thank you. yeah of course and and by the way just walking back there i was watching uh going blind that you did at the palladium with gene simmons the other day oh, yeah. speaking about kiss and it was great it's funny because he was on the show I'm, I'm very friendly with both their kids like evan stanley and nick simmons for some reason i became great friends with the kids oh, and, wow. <laughs> and and both of them came on the show with the kids right so uh -huh. paul was on with evan and gene was on with nick and uh and and i was listening to your version of going blind and it's incredible thank um, you and i love it and I, and I was so i had to watch the palladium show um, just because I'd never saw that clip before, and it's it's great. It's just funny just to watch him up there with you guys. And so, do you have fond memories of that gig? Like, I mean, I know that you were fans growing up, and obviously you did the records with emulating the four solo records and everything. So, well, I still like Kiss. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, you know, um, people can say what they will about those guys, but they have only ever been totally nice to me yeah. every time I've ever been around them. And I think it that, uh, um that's a, a a nice thing to have happen yeah because it doesn't always happen especially with lower level jerks yeah that treat you like crap and then you just like well gene and paul don't have to do that why do you yeah <laughs> paul was very gracious but i love paul was great he's great yeah, they're totally cool i mean i ran into paul stanley at disneyland <laughs> he was on the phone made made time to get off the phone to sit to talk to me yeah it's like that doesn't happen yeah, that yeah, just yeah. doesn't happen he doesn't have to do that yet he is doing it and, and so that just shows you it's just as easy to be nice. Yeah, 100%. Just yeah. be nice. Yeah. I saw a thing that this that, uh, in a documentary about Rush where the bass player for Rush said, if people are nice to me, I have time for them. Yeah. That's right. That's 100%. You know, that's, I just don't. Uh, and, and if Kiss didn't have good songs I liked, I wouldn't care about them at all. Yeah. For the, the record, of, I like you know, your version of Going Blind much better than Dinosaur Jr.'s. I don't, I don't know if I've heard theirs. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you got, we all, we've always liked that stuff. You guys have always liked that stuff. Yeah, well, that's a common, th uh, common. Oh, yeah. Kiss thread. Yeah. Common, yeah. yeah. Yep. How was it touring with them, by the way? Was it great? great. Yeah. <laughs> it was, well, Gene and Paul were exactly what you would think. Super yeah. nice. And the other guys were complete waste cases. Wasn't it Bruce Kalilik in the band back then? No. Was no, it, was no, it, was no, it was right <laughs> when they put their makeup back on. Okay. They had no idea if it was going to work or not. No I got idea. to see uh, Ace and Peter perform together. Maybe the only time they performed together in like the last ten or fifteen years, and it just was sad because Peter can't play the way he used to. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was an Ace Frehley concert, or what it was just like a, like an Eddie Trunk uh, birthday bash thing, and uh -huh. and those guys are just. I don't think they've played together since, and I think that was the only time they've actually performed together in probably like maybe twenty years. Wow. Um, and it was hard because obviously Peter was one of my favorite drummers growing up, being a drummer right. like. I love them, but it's hard when you see, you know, it's like, like we were talking about the stones are still so relevant, but so not every artist remains 
you know, vital and, and is, yeah. and is great, you know, and plays great still. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, there are some tours that you did that you didn't have such fond memories. Obviously kiss yeah. was a great memory, but, kiss is uh, great. but talk me through some of the tours that were not as great. I heard this great story. The Rob Zombie story is a great story. I mean, uh, it's, yeah. it's just a funny story. Um, uh, it's just every rock star cliche you could imagine. Yeah. And I just don't have time for that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You, you treat me like shit. I'm like an elephant. I never forget. Yeah. Yeah. I never forget it. And I will just hold that grudge forever. I just will. I don't I don't feel like I have to. Uh, well, it's okay that they do that. And it's not okay that you do that. Yeah, I agree. I you agree. don't have to act like an asshole. Yeah, but they're they under they're under a lot of don't. pressure every night. Clearly. Yeah. And you know, and you know, I wouldn't know what that was like. Yeah. <laughs> I have well, no idea. You know, I mean <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I wonder what that conversation's like when someone's like justifying and explaining to you. Oh, I've had I've had I've had road crew people for, for guys like that explain that to me millions really? of times. <laughs> oh yeah. And then on the other end of it, we're in our dressing room, not unlike this, with Kiss. Uh, Kiss is about to go on stage. Gene Simmons walks through the door in full makeup. How's it going, guys? <laughs> it's like absolutely, totally <laughs> yeah. chill. No yeah. problem at all. How are you guys doing, Mister Nice Guy? Yeah. That's how you do it. Well, that's I mean, that seems to be the case. You know? Like that kind of situation where it's like, it it comes from the top. Like it comes from the top. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's why I don't hold grudges against uh, anyone other than the people at the top. Yeah. <laughs> Rob's eating a Fair sandwich. Enough. Don't interrupt that's him while he's eating a sandwich. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. On and on. Every just imagine every kind of rock star cliche, and there it is. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that I like a lot of the same stuff he does. Yeah. Like the yeah. movies, yeah, and yeah. I love all that stuff. I thought there would be some common ground. Oh, I didn't have a chance for any of that. Mm. Oh Lord, no. Mm. But that was a long time ago. You know. And I, I've never forgotten it, but in the same way that I've never forgotten on our very first U.S. tour in like 86, it was all skinheads everywhere we went and wow. who had no interest in our long haired bullshit. None. Mm. And all through the South. And I've never forgotten that. And, uh, uh, um, and, you, and, and I will hold a grudge against all that stuff forever. Just the way we were treated. I mean, that's just I just think it's, it's so easy to just be cool. I agree. You don't have to be an asshole. You just don't have to be. I, I completely <laughs> agree. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, and, and the situation that's probably disappointing for you too, because you're probably getting going on the tour, looking forward to make that connection. Maybe even like as a human being, like you said, we have a lot of things in common. Right. It would be fun. You're, like, you're a very yeah. social guy. Yeah. No. Know? No. No. There's no chance of that happening. So and that, then you go, you sit there, and you go, why? Right. You know. You're playing this electrified disco crap. You're taking it that seriously? Sorry, buddy, but I'm not fooled. I've heard the riff from uh, uh, for the Led Zeppelin riff that you're ripping out. Immigrant, uh, immigrant, immigrant song. I've heard it. You guys have done an, some amazing collaborations over the years. Are there any artists that you would really love to collaborate with maybe coming up on like a new record or something that you haven't done yet? Jimi Hendrix. That could happen. Mm. You said happen. that before. Yeah. Hendrix would be good. <laughs> you, mean, yeah, you mean maybe he's got some... <laughs> Unreleased tracks. Yeah. Like, like yeah. the millionth throwaway song <laughs> yeah. that hadn't been released yet yeah. that we could maybe... Yeah, definitely. Well, for me, for me, it's like... A, um, the fact that we get to play with Steven is a really big deal for yeah. me because yeah. we were huge fans of his for a long, long, long time before <clears throat> we ever knew, ever knew him at all. As am I, yeah. Mm. So that Thank was a, that's a, that's an odd that's an odd thing to have happen. And then we also got to play with Jeff Pincus from the Butthole Surfers. So yeah. when I think the Melvins and we started what we're doing, two of the bands that we really liked were Red Cross and the Butthole Surfers. And then to think years down the line you're going to actually be making music with these people, it would have been hard to believe. 
you know, that that would, that would actually be something that would happen. Definitely. Stephen, did you ever hear jellyfish? Because I, I was listening to Red Cross last mm. night. It reminded me of like the precursor to what jellyfish was. Did you ever yeah, I know band? those guys. I actually played a couple tunes on the first album. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Did you have, you like them or is it a band that you... You know, I hate them. <laughs> That's why you're playing the record. They ripped yeah. off his shtick, man. I'm going to go down there and screw this record up. No, but they definitely took kind of something from Red Cross in a way, I think. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think they, wise, well, right? I feel like there was they were, some... kind of, we had a lot of commonality. We had yeah. a lot of common influences, but yeah, yeah. they're great. And I, I still talk to Jason Faulkner and cool. Roger Manning. Yeah, they're great. Well, they play with Beck, some of the guys. Yeah, right? yeah, that too. Exactly. Yeah, we have that in common. And uh, He played with Beck. Oh, you did? Yeah, for briefly. Oh, amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the new record, Five Legged Dog, right? So let's talk about how we got here, like the song selection. We talked about it a little bit before, yeah. but again, like how did you guys go about going through your cataloging and picking those songs? Because it is a massive undertaking, right? Four albums of acoustic. And why acoustic, by the way? Well, at the at the beginning of the pandemic, I had a solo acoustic record I did with Trevor Dunn that was coming out. And we had a big tour planned. Red Cross had a big tour planned. And they had all this stuff that was going to go on at the same time. Um and all of that got shit-canned, obviously. So when that got pushed back and then I didn't get to do anything with that record, I was in a kind of already in an acoustic-minded space, mm. sort of. And then we thought, we don't know how this is going to pan out at all. We have no idea when we're going to be able to tour or what we're going to be able to do. And so maybe we wouldn't be able to tour in a full-on capacity as the Melvins, but if we had something like an acoustic thing we, that we could tour that uh, maybe – that would be a good idea to have something like that out. And then we go, well, let's do a record. Okay. Then I was thinking and go, well, one record, eh, two records. Eh. And then I was like, we got to do something big. So then it turned into 36 songs, two and a half hours. <laughs> <You know. laughs> and that's, and, and I was like, nobody's ever done that. It's like double album. People have done lots of double yeah. albums, triple album, maybe weird, but four albums. Let's yeah. just really, really up, up the ante on that whole thing and just see how it goes. And then, Covers, like Dale said, a lot of them we had played before. But what I would do is I'd sit there and think about what songs maybe would work acoustically mm. and then go, mm, let's bring these two or three songs in tomorrow. And then I'd bring them into the studio with the idea that we were going to do those, show them to these guys. And generally speaking, by the end of the day, we would have two or three songs recorded. Amazing. You know, because these guys are good. When it comes down to it, they're good players. Yeah. And what you do Great is players, you, you trust the their instincts. Yeah. You trust these guys to do their job. Yeah. You know, and, and, and listen to them. When they do something, they'll have a good ideas about what, what should happen. There's one thing I know, even if I wrote the song, I haven't thought of everything. Yeah. So. By the way, for those of you who don't know, the Melvins actually had two bass players and two drummers at some point. I can't think of another band that actually had two bass players and two drummers. Is there another band that I, I don't think Maybe, there is? Maybe, I don't know. The Grateful Dead had like four drummers, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Two bass players? I don't think two bass players. Uh, I've seen a lot of two drummer Good. bands, but uh, I don't know. Not two Roger bass players. Roger Waters had like three last time I saw him. Three bass players? <laughs> Pretty much. Really? Yeah. Three bass players. All right, well, then yeah. I stand corrected. What was he playing? A ukulele? <laughs> he'd, he'd kind of play bass, he would play bass kind of like Keith Richards. Like he'd, he'd have it on and then uh, strum it a little bit. Eh, <laughs> Start the intro to money. That's yeah. it. Do do do. it like Robin Zanders. Like eh, you know, just yeah. Yeah. A little so that, taste of it yeah. here or there. Exactly. So approaching this record in that way, you know, again, like just how did you pick the songs, right? Because from Alice Cooper to the Turtles to a lot Red of those we played live. Okay. You know, um, yeah. over the years, um, and then I don't know, just picking songs that you wouldn't think would be good for acoustic like the the huge long song off of lie saw yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. um hung bunny roman dogbird yeah right yeah you know or or 
and figuring out a way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Or, or anything heavy, you know, yeah, like, yeah. it's like, it wasn't like, oh, we can't do that. It's like, oh, sure we can. So you can do anything on acoustic. Yeah. There's no reason why you can't. You know, the you, studio too. A lot so. of those songs were written on acoustic anyway. Now, mm-hmm. for example, yeah. the Chicago gig, is that going to be acoustic? No. Nope. Gonna, okay. No. Well, I'm always acoustic. <laughs> right. <laughs> will you be touring acoustically for this record, you think, or everything no. will be electric? I doubt. I doubt. Yeah. I doubt um, the smartest move we ever made would be walking out on stage in front of a ministry crowd with acoustic guitar. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, not yeah. the ministry Probably tour, because obviously that I, has I to... can't. We should do that. <laughs> yeah, that I'm surprised funny, that's not exactly <laughs> what you want to do. Yeah. I've had a lot of uh, uh, extreme reactions from audiences in the past. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I love some of those stories about those early tours and how the audiences respond, because it was new, right? It was something new to them. and you know, your sound was so heavy and so deep. They were not ha- not having it. Yeah. yeah. Back to the skinheads, you know, yeah. yeah, they wanted to kill us. And yeah. like, I saw, I saw Red Cross one time um, when we were on tour and um, we were in Seattle and um, but I saw Red Cross open for Guar. Mm. Oh yeah. That was a fun night. At the uh, Moore Theater. <clears throat> so, you know, thousand, about 1,500 people there. Yeah. And they were not having Red Cross. Guar's audience is very particular, I think. So. Yeah, and it was also kind of like us at our fruitiest. It was like right, 90, right, right. around 10 of But, 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 but yeah. what yeah. you guys did, though, what you did, though, is you just got quieter and quieter and quieter on stage. <laughs> and finally, Robert Hecker's at the microphone just, ah. Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> ah, he's playing it. You guys are just barely going. Today's George Harrison. I was like, this yeah. is the most genius thing I've ever seen. Yeah. They d- and I it's love like it when people go, do. they got booed off stage. They did not get booed off stage. No, we didn't. They <laughs> left stage as people were booing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. They stayed well, there as long. We, I'm sure we finished their set. <laughs> we finished your set and people yeah. were booing. Well, know? people always claim that they've seen us get booed off stage. I'm like, no. <laughs> You've seen us get booed, but not off stage. In fact, the booing probably made us stay a lot longer, longer than we would have had you just shut your mouth. <laughs> That would yeah. have been a good collaboration. Now, right now and you're Guar, getting right? tortured. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Well, it's, it's still we toured happen. with Guar. We toured with Guar too before that. Oh yeah, we had the, we had the same shit. Thing. Uh, same shit. Just brutal. Are they still around, Guar? I think uh, so. Yeah, yeah they're think, still around. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they are. I think so. Even though yeah. the singers are dead, yeah. they still exist. They're but still that right. stuff happens yeah. nowadays, yeah, 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 as yeah. we know. Yeah. How did you How did you guys stay occupied during this whole pandemic? I know it buzzed you really into photography. Were you working on the photography? Golfing. Golfing. I like golfing. Musicians are people with great indoors. It's a way to get outside. Yeah, definitely. I did it through the whole thing. How about the rest of you guys? Did you? Man, golf got so popular during the pandemic. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can't get like... a tea time now. It sucks. Tennis you know? was very uh, popular. Tennis. Well, that's all, see, well the, our, our, our awesome governor here said that we could play pickleball, tennis, and golf. <laughs> right. well, so I did about two of those three. Definitely no football. No football. Yeah. Not even flag football. <laughs> And Stephen, how are you keeping busy? I did play thing? pickleball with, with Dale and his wife a few <laughs> you times. Did. Yeah, got him I did. To play some yeah. Pickleball. yeah, yeah, and then just spent a lot of time with my twelve-year-old son and awesome. my wife. Did you get to see the Jim Marshall documentary, Buzz? Because being a rock and roll photography is uh, I did not see it. It's great. I, I highly recommend it. By but the way, I don't take really uh, rock pictures like uh, live shows. I would not be good at that. No, but just from a photography standpoint, it's a pretty fascinating documentary. I no, I didn't see good. it. I, I would see it though. Yeah, it's great. I'm it's more great. of a street photographer. Okay, you know, that kind of thing. So, what do you document in your photography? What's Whatever the, I see. What, okay, I've taken tons and tons of pictures of these two guys. Oh, cool. Doing stupid so, stuff like sleeping, sleeping in the van, <laughs> yeah. sleeping. I just stand here, stand here, stand here. I got a good picture. <laughs> Look knew, surprised. Look at no, what is it? Look like you just won a prize. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was getting pretty good when uh, there's photos of me sleeping in the van. Look, oh, that's pretty good. Could that's that be a book of... one day? The Melvin's. Uh, I put together. I, I put together is. a book. I just have to print it. Yeah, of a bunch of stuff. So awesome. 
Well, there's so many projects you guys have done. Anything next coming up maybe for next year for you guys? I mean, obviously the tour, the ministry tour, the record is, just came out. So um, anything that you still want to do that you think you're going to do next year that you're excited about, like new projects? There's always a million projects with the Melvins going on. So. we got lots of stuff in the works, lots of stuff in the can. So yep. anything you can talk about? Any exclusives? Uh, magazine? let the cat out of the cat out of the bag. Just, well, wait, yeah. so it's because we want to come back and talk. Yeah, about Yeah, yeah, we want you to come. Exactly. We'll have more, yeah. more stuff to talk about then. And there's always a possibility that we might change our mind. That's too. true. That's know. true. I and change my mind about stuff all the time, so it's hard to go. We're gonna, we're absolutely gonna do this. <laughs> yeah, and then we don't do <laughs> I it. I don't know. I don't know. Were you fans of Ministry, Al Jorgensen? You yeah, guys cool. That should be a great show, by the way. Do you know when that tour kicks off? When March. Starting? March. Okay. Beginning of March, like March fourth or something. Second, third, something like that. Yeah, it's awesome. early March. And where is it in, in the States? Yep. Just in the U.S., yeah. Great. Starts in Columbus, Ohio. Amazing. You're going to perform a couple songs for us next. So yeah. let's talk about what you guys are going to play for us. Obviously, we talked about the Red Cross covers, right? Yep. <clears throat> we did a good version of Night Goat on the acoustic record. It was a little different, and so we kind of imitated that on this. And then um, we did uh, Charlie, Yeah. which is, uh, weirdly, um, long before Steven was in the band, I always thought that would be a good song for us to cover. There you go. And when Steven was in the band, I was like, Steven, how would you feel if we played Charlie? <laughs> yeah. He looked a little confused at first. Well, no, I'm still like trying to figure out the wait. So for when I'm playing it, am I doing a cover? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, that's true. That's a good that's a great way to look at it. <laughs> right. By the way, what is going on with the Red Cross? Well, at the actually moment? Dale yeah. plays in Red Cross too now. I do. Okay. So I, do. I don't know okay. if he's covering it either. Okay. I think Yeah. So it's I a semi cover. Yeah. It is kind of a cover yeah. of a cover. Yeah. It's a cover of a cover. It's yeah. very that's it's, yeah. yeah, it's like one of those existential questions. Um what's happening with Red Cross? Uh, well, well Red Cross is sort of taking a break and uh, you know, I think Melvins are gonna, you know, uh, figure out what's safe and what's not safe in yeah. the in the venue of live performance in yeah. 2022, and then Red Cross will hopefully do some recording Great. then, and when we're not on tour, and then reappear in 2023 is what I'm assuming. Awesome. And we've done a, we did a, a whole European tour, an Australian tour with Red Cross, and a whole U.S. Yeah, US tour. tour. Yeah, last time oh, we toured was a big. Like we did over fifty shows. Red yeah. Cross, so Red Cross. We, we certainly he, he navigated the entire globe. Yeah, yeah. We went to the duty. Europe, and then instead of coming back west, we just kept going east and went to uh, Australia yeah. and Japan, and, and flew home. Yeah. Is there like a favorite song that you guys have on this new record, Five Levered Dog? I mean, thirty six tracks, dog. I think. Um, favorite uh, song, cover song would probably be uh, Halo Flies, probably, because that was a hard one to record. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I well, can't that believe it's a pain out. to begin with. <laughs> it's got it's a, a billion pain. parts. And then to it. Melvin's song, probably uh, off the top of my head, uh, Hung Bunny Lysol. Yeah, probably. And you good. did all the recording at your studio here, right? Because you guys mm -hmm. have your own studio here? For right. a long time now. We were Toji Kasai working with him. Amazing, amazing. And Steven also records stuff too. So I'm sure we'll get around to doing yeah. more stuff with him sure. at some point. You awesome. Know? And so any gigs maybe in L.A.? Because I'd love to come see the band. Nothing, Probably. Nothing nothing uh, set up at the moment. Okay. Well, we'll have to do a spin sessions with you, and, and that'll be, hopefully that'll be your uh – you know, see if we can make I, that happen. I said day. probably. Yeah. Probably. There's probably in the future. Probably. Yeah. Definitely. Well, thanks so much for coming on, guys. I'm going to jump thanks. to you guys performing live for us. Great. Melvins.com on Instagram, right? For, yeah, uh, I think so, yeah. Check out the Instagram. And so and the record, obviously, you can download it. Check out the tour starting in March. Um, I so appreciate you guys. You guys are legendary. I really appreciate you guys coming out here. Thank you, thank thanks for having us. Definitely, definitely. Yep. And de thank there will you. be a part two, and I hope there'll be a screen Great. sessions coming up. And, uh, Great. Yeah, big fan. So appreciate thanks it. Thanks so much. Thanks thank for having you. Me. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. Bye bye now. Bye. bye. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips.
Well, that was super, super fun to have the Melvins in person. These guys are so legendary. And if you don't know, they've had a massive influence on tons of bands, like I mentioned, including Nirvana, Soundgarden, and a host of other bands. And they were very integral as part of that scene and still, you know, so iconic and legendary in the business. So I appreciate them coming on. So great to have the band perform live, which is the first time we've ever done that live in the studio. And this has been a busy week. So Nikki Six. Jake Wesley Rogers coming up, Jerry Cantrell tomorrow, the Melvins this week. Man, so many good artists coming up. And as I mentioned, we are bringing this to you live November 15th. I believe Palais Royale will probably be the first band that we'll have perform. Excited to do the spin sessions live, to see you all live in person. I'm excited to bring the rock and roll back. Um, thanks for tuning in. Stay safe. If you like the show, the show is free. It mostly airs every other Monday. Um, the show is available everywhere. iTunes, Spotify. Do me a favor. If you like the show, tell one friend, tell 10 friends, and please give it five stars on iTunes. I appreciate you tuning in. You are listening to Scott Lips on Lip Service. And uh, see you next time. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find the ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.